This is the Elevate Church Podcast. For a list of messages and for all updates about events and more information, check out our Instagram, Facebook, or visit elevate.city. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Thank you all so much. I'm really, really, really excited to be here this morning. I have some things on my heart that I believe God has put there, and he's put it there for us this morning. So can we do something real quick? I know it's we were... Uh, you know, we kind of go through the music and we have the songs and then it's time for the offering and then it's time for the word. But I want to do something real quick. Let's just let's just pray and kind of quiet our hearts. Would you just close your eyes for just a moment with me? Lord, we ask you to come and speak to us this morning. Lord, I have nothing in and of myself to give this amazing group of people. Uh, but Lord, you have the words of life. And so, Lord, we're asking you to speak those directly to our hearts this morning. We thank you for it. Prepare our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We thank you and we believe it. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, thank you. Uh, I want to say thank you to Pastor Jeff. He's not here this morning. Pastors Jeff and Jess. Uh, This is an incredible honor to do this. I'm really excited this morning. Uh, And then also thank you. Uh, to Pastor Matt for just taking care of everything this morning, and and uh, and Pastor Levi and all of the elders and everyone here. Didn't Pastor Matt do an amazing job last week? For those of you who were here, so uh, I'm th- I'm thankful. You know, every time I hear him, I just I hear this uh, I hear this wisdom coming out of him, right? And it's amazing to watch him just grow and, and, and Pastor Levi as well and, and develop in their ministry and in their callings. And you see them up here and they take a little bit of a, a different approach than Pastor Jeff does. But it's, it's great to see that, right? It's great to see the Holy Spirit come in and just speak through his life. And one of the things he said last week, uh, I was really um, kind of impacted by, right? He, he said that he knew um, that he was called to preach when he was seven years old. And I think that's absolutely amazing. And that was a little bit different from from my story, right? So I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, my religious experience when I was seven years old. And thankfully, so my parents are here so they can uh, corroborate all of this, right? I love my parents. Thank you guys for coming. And then also uh, my in-laws are here. I love them so much. I have the best in-laws in the world. Don't ever tell in-law jokes around me. I don't like that stuff. Um, And then, of course, my sister and my grandmother's here. So she's 92 years old. And a lot of you know this, but um, she recently had some health complications, and and she has come through those, and she's on her way to a full recovery. So thank you for everyone who prayed uh, about that. But so when I was seven years old, it looked a little bit different, okay? So I went to this church, and and you're going to have to take this with a grain of salt, right? Because this is coming from a seven-year-old's brain, so this is what I remember out of it. I'm sure it wasn't probably exactly like this, but my church looked like, I don't know, has anybody ever seen the movie The Village in here, in Night Shyamalan, The Village? So I feel that my church looked a little bit something like that, right? It was like a step away from Amish. Of course, this is to a seven-year-old, so I'm sitting in church, and uh, forgive me, Lord. It was boring. I hated it. I did not enjoy going. I didn't want to go. Um, they, uh, uh, the women stayed silent, right? The men, you would hear an amen every once in a while. Like, but you didn't, as a kid, you did not speak. You didn't move. You didn't do anything, right? It's a lot different than kind of our experience here today. And, uh, and so I remember that, right? I have these, these vivid memories. And my dad, okay, so he was kind of the smart one of the crew, right? And he would, 
magically, like every Sunday morning, he's like, I got a headache, you know, I really don't fit. You guys just go on to church without me, right? And I would always wonder, like, what is dad, you know, what's dad at home doing? And he would stay home and he would make these, like, home videos, right? And so I, I came real close to bringing one of those today and putting it up on the screen. So you owe me lunch or something, right? So, but I would be in the church and I would have to entertain myself, and so we had lights that were kind of like this, and I still remember it to this day. We had, so my uncle was the choir director, but now, correct me if I'm wrong, we didn't have a choir, did we? Did we? A small one? Okay, I, I don't remember any choir. I just remember a choir director, and he looked at us, and he did the, you know, two, four thing, right, that you learn in classical music. So so I had to do things to divert myself as a seven-year-old. So I would imagine that like the floor was covered with lava and I had to get somehow from the back to the front uh, and I would have to swing on the lights and like walk over pews and like this is the stuff I'm thinking about while church is going on. And one Sunday morning, uh, I was doing that, right? I was thinking, I was imagining just whatever. I don't even know what I was thinking about. But the pastor had given an altar call. So he says, if you don't know Jesus, you should really come forward and you should accept Jesus into your heart. And so I'm looking forward, right? And I notice my mom kind of peering at me out of the corner of my eye. And so, no, I'm looking straight forward, right? I'm not making eye contact, nothing. She kind of nudges me and she's like, you know, you should really uh, go up there. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go up there. And she's like, no, so you should go. And I'm like, no, I really don't. So why don't you just go? Okay, I'll go, right? So I go up there, and the pastor prays this prayer with me, um, and I repeat it after him, and I ask Jesus into my heart. And so he's asking me a few questions in his office afterwards, right? And he says, do you believe that God raised Christ Jesus from the dead? Yes, I believe. Do you, did you ask him into your heart to forgive you of your sins? Yes, absolutely. And uh, uh, do you believe that he's the Lord of your life? Yes, one, one, yeah, I believe that. And he says this phrase that I'm, I'm, I'll probably never forget, right? He says, okay, well, that's it then. When you die, you're going to go to heaven. And now as a seven-year-old, I'm kind of shocked by this, right? And this is what's going through my mind, right? I'm seven. Like, hopefully, I'm going to last a couple of years. Hopefully, there's something between, between then and there. Now, I want to give a lot of grace, right? Because these were wonderful people. They're amazing people. But as a seven-year-old, this is what I'm thinking in my mind, right? That God really is not going to have any major interaction in my life. That he's not really concerned with the details. And, and, and in my little mind, I kind of pictured him as some, uh, I don't know, genie up there juggling planets in his free time, right? This is the, and he, he doesn't really have time uh, for the things that are going on in my life. But I found later in life that the story is a whole lot different than that. And so last week, Pastor Matt gets up here, and I don't know if you, you remember, but he brings Adam up, and Adam represents the word or a word from the Lord, right? And he grabs a hold of him, he does this big bear hug, and he says, you know, when you receive a word from God, you need to hold on to it with everything that's inside of you. And so I want to tell you a story about my wife and I. So this is Megan. Most of you know her. She sings up here um, a lot. And so when Megan and I were married for about a year, we really felt the Lord's calling to South America. And we ended up moving uh, to, to Brazil. And it was something that we knew, that we knew, that we knew that we were supposed to do. You ever have any of those 
feelings? Has God ever spoken to you? Maybe, maybe he can speak to you. Absolutely, he speaks to us through the word, right? But maybe he can speak to you through another person sometimes. Or maybe somebody has had a dream that you just there was a lot of significance in there. Or maybe there was something you just knew on the inside, right? You, you don't know how you know it. You just know that that's exactly what's supposed to happen. Well, that was the case when Megan and I moved to Brazil. We went to Brazil, and uh, for those of you uh, who don't know what Pastor Matt uh, was talking up, about up here a few minutes ago, he was talking about Mission Ahava. There are several uh, volunteers in this room that we work for an organization called Mission Ahava, and we try to rescue some of the most vulnerable kids in the world. Well, back in 04, right, these were kind of the roots of what is now Mission Ahava. And so we, we went down to Brazil, we were sent there as missionaries by a church. And we were sent there to work with another ministry. And unfortunately, there were a lot of weird things going on. And this other ministry was, uh, there was some deceptiveness going on. And they were trying to kind of hide some stuff. And so the first two years were really, really difficult, right? And uh, in fact, it, it almost got to where like every morning, like we're waking up and just like wondering what bad thing is going to happen today, right? There was just all kinds of craziness going around and on. And if you ever want to hear the stories, let's go to coffee sometime and I'll tell you all kinds of stories. We don't have time for them this morning. I'm just going to tell one. This senator in Rio de Janeiro um, wanted, to, wanted to meet with my wife and I. They had found out about some things that, that we were doing and they said, hey, why don't we meet up and uh, we can come together and maybe we can kind of join forces and join our ministries together. And maybe you can move to Rio and uh, start a project here and we can have this big old project together with, with all of these kids. And, and one of our staff members is telling us about this stuff. And, and, and as she's talking, I'm thinking, man, this is fantastic. Yeah, this would be a great opportunity, right? You know, maybe we should do this. And then something inside of me just, just clicks and says, you're not supposed to go there. You're not supposed to do that. And I knew it immediately. In fact, Megan and I talked about it, and she was kind of feeling the same thing. Like, we're not supposed to go there. And so, so I called this staff member. I said, you know what? There's a lot of stuff going on right now. We're really busy. We, uh, we, have, we have different uh, activities that we need to do here. So, so let's cancel this trip. And she says, she says, Ryan, this is a senator from Brazil who wants to sit down and meet with you. And she has changed her flight to get back early from D.C. just so she can come and meet with you. If you can, you really ought to try to be there, right? I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, that's, that's probably true. Okay. And so despite this strong, strong uh, voice in my spirit that knew we shouldn't go, I called her up, and I said, okay, you know what? Let's go. And so we, everything went wrong that morning, right? We were late for our flight. Was, was this not the case? I mean, there's like red flags and signals going up everywhere. Like, don't go, stop, turn back now, right? And we just kept plowing forward, right? No, we got to meet with the senator. This is a great opportunity, right? And so we get there in Rio, and honestly, we had a great day for the first half of it. We went into, we went into these favelas, which are like uh, really, really bad neighborhoods. Some of them are so bad that the police even asked for permission to go into. So we went into these neighborhoods, and we're meeting with the community, and there's all of these great people, and, and there's wonderful, wonderful uh, kids all around us. And we're thinking, you know what, this, this turned out okay. This, is, this was a good meeting, at least, even if we don't end up joining forces with the senator. And so then we go back that evening, we go back to the house where we're staying, and we sit down, we sit down for a meal, 
And we're at the table, and I'll never forget this ever. We, uh, we bow our heads to pray over the meal, right? And, and, and Megan is sitting right beside me. And when I open my eyes, there's a guy standing at the corner of the table with a revolver in his hand. And the first thing he says is, I'm going to kill you all, right? And I'm just trying to process this. I don't even know what's happening, right? There's, there's a mom there with a couple of her kids, and, and she starts crying, and, and panic starts, you know, c- coming over everybody. And I'm trying to just catch what's going on. And what begins to ensue is a very, very long night of back and forth between I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you, and then he would kind of calm down for a little while, and he would say, no, if, if everybody does what I say, you're going to be okay. And he's making phone calls to these people who are supposedly outside of the house, you know, keeping watch or whatever. And so, so we're trying to figure this out, right? We're trying to figure out what to do, and we're all praying, and, you know, we're believing, and we're asking God to intervene. And it comes to kind of this crescendo, for me anyway. Uh, he kind of slows down. And he points right at me, and he says, you, I want you to come with me. And he says, if anybody at this table makes a peep, this guy's getting it. And so I'm thinking, like, what do you want with me, right? Why me? Don't, don't take me, you know? And, and so we get up, and, and he walks me into this back bedroom. I'm thinking, what in the world is this guy doing? And he turns around as soon as I get in there, and he says, okay, I want, I want all of your money, everything you brought with you. All of your dollars, he said. Now, a little side note. Okay, this is 2004. This is in Rio de Janeiro. At this time, a lot of things still... 2006, yeah. So, so Meg, right, I knew she would be squirming as I'm telling this story because I tend to leave out a few details uh, or just make them up kind of as I go, right? So I'll tell a story and I'll be like, uh, we woke up and then we went back to bed that night and that was it. And she's like, no, we woke up, and I opened one eye actually first, and I kind of rolled over in the bed, and then I opened the other eye. Then I went back to sleep for a few minutes. And so she's much more detail-oriented. So if she has to fill in any of the pieces, right, I'll allow her to do that. So this was 06, right? And, and the economy down there was still based a little bit on cash, right? You had to have cash. So we're running late, of course. I have no cash in my pocket. So we stop at the ATM. I can't get any money out of the ATM. The ATM system is not working. It's down or whatever. So here I am with this guy uh, with a gun who's saying, hey, I want all your money. And I'm thinking, okay, about that. Uh, and so I start sort of explaining to him the situation, right? I'm like, well, see, here's the story. We went to this ATM this morning, and I'm going, and he just shuts me right up. And he gets real quiet. And he gets right up next to me, and he puts the gun right on the front of my forehead, and he says, you don't understand what I'm telling you right now. He says, if you don't get money in my hand, what you're looking at is the very last thing you are ever going to see. And I believed him. I had a guy one time ask me, what was the greatest lesson you've ever learned from traveling and doing stuff with Mission Ahava? And, and, and that's not something you just usually have a canned answer for. And so I had to kind of stop and think about it. And it only took me a second. And this is what I told him. Everything is bigger than me. Everything. 
you know, one minute I'm sitting there and about to have a nice meal with my wife and some new friends. And the next minute, there's a guy with a a gun held to my head. You know, one minute I'm in perfect health and everything's going great. And then the next minute, you get a diagnosis from the doctor that you have no control over. See, you, you may think you're in control of everything. You may feel like, well, I'm, I'm the master of my own destiny, and I, you know, I decide what's going to happen in my life. Well, that may be right to a certain extent, but there are a lot of things that are just bigger than you. And so, so there's, we consider it a, a Christmas story or a Christmas phrase, right, when Isaiah says the words, Jesus' name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Right, but I take that to heart. Because when you're in a situation like that, my strength, my American citizenship, any money that I have access to, nothing means anything. The only thing that matters is that God is with me and that God is with my wife in a situation like that. Now, I'll make a real long story real short. I ended up calming this guy down. And I'm like, I ended up giving him my watch and my wedding ring and a digital camera. He was mad. He thought I was lying and he threatened me in a million ways and invented curse words uh, and, and, you know, said that he was going to kill me and all of this stuff. And eventually he ends up calming down and he takes me back out to the table. He takes the whole group. Uh, This is after about two, two and a half hours. I don't know how long he was there. He takes us back, and he locks us in this room. There, there are skeleton keys, so you can lock the door from the outside. Uh, so he locks us in this room, uh, and he takes the owner of the home out of the room. He is, in this time, packed their car up with everyone's stuff. And he takes the owner out, and he says, you can watch me until my taillights are gone, and then go back in there and let them out, and you guys call the police or do whatever you need to do. So as soon as they let us out, right, you have a lot of different emotions, and everybody handles different stuff like this differently. I, I think Meg was kind of tearing up right at the beginning. And so, so everybody's handling it a little bit differently. And I start this, like, nervous laugh, right? So have you ever been on a roller coaster? Uh, Dave, you'll know what I'm talking about. And you're about 90% sure you're going to die on this thing. But then it gets to the end and the brakes hit and and you're like, whoa, I made it through that, right? This is the feeling in my mind. Like, I just lived through that? Like, what in the world? But then your mind kind of oscillates, right? So we get this taxi because I want the heck out of there. I want in a hotel. I want somewhere with a big security guard with a big shotgun in front of it, right? But your mind's playing tricks with you. And as soon as this taxi comes, was it not? I'm looking behind us like thinking, are they back? Are they, you know, I'm watching this taxi driver. Like if he deviates from the path that I know he's supposed, I'm ready to choke this guy out. Like these are the thoughts that are going through my mind, right? But God with us, God living inside of me and having care for the things that we do. I'll never forget the next morning, Megan and I went for a walk. We were, we were on the beach. We ended up getting a hotel right on the Copacabana, and it was beautiful, and the sun came up over the water, and it was really, really bright. 
And we were walking, and I was really concerned with her, obviously. We had just been through a pretty traumatic experience. And I remember I asked her, like, you know, what do we do now? Like, we'd only been there for three months at this time. Do we, do we go home? Or you want to move back? And I, I'll never forget her words. She said, when the Lord speaks a word to us and tells us it's time to go, we'll go. But we're not going to let the enemy drive us out of here. You know, when you have a word, like Pastor Matt was talking about, when you have a word that you can cling on to and you know you're supposed to be in a place, it sort of alleviates some of that fear. It sort of takes some of that away. You know why? Because in the center of God's plan is the safest place you can possibly be. Anything could happen to you right here in Liberty Township, Ohio. But if you're in the center of God's will, you're in the safest place possible. David said it like this. He said, if I ascend to the heights of heaven, you're there with me. And even if I make my bed in hell, you're going to be there with me. Emmanuel, God with us, he's with us all the time in every single thing that we do. He cares about every moment in your house, in your life, uh, the things that go on in your house and in your family. And he still speaks to us today about those things that are going on. Even though I didn't listen, even though I didn't pay attention, he was still with us. And he still took care of us. And uh, with the announcement of, of that word, Emmanuel, it's kind of interesting because in the New Testament, nobody ever calls him Emmanuel, right? But that's what he is. He is Emmanuel, God who took on flesh and came down to be with us. That was written 700 years uh, before he actually came. But God spoke through those prophets, and we have a scripture about that. If they would put uh, that up, if you have your uh, Bible with you or uh, if you have it on a device or it's up here on the screens. This is in Hebrews uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 1. It says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son as an inheritance. Everything. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the Son, he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. If you want to know what God's character looks like, you need to look no further than Jesus. If, go back to verse 3. Uh, yeah, three. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the sun, Jesus, expresses the very character of God and sustains everything by his mighty power. So, so if you look at Jesus through the Bible and Jesus is healing everyone who comes to him and Jesus is rescuing the very, very worst of sinners, that's the heart of the father. See, don't ever think for a second that God was some cranky old man up in the sky until, until he sends Jesus and now everything's peace and flowers. It says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. God so loved you that he sent his only son, Emmanuel in the flesh, to be with you every single day. Now, I know that this is not 
uh, Easter, right? And this is not Christmas. And I don't want to get into some, some theological seminar, but I want you to think for just a second how God speaks to us through Jesus. He spoke to us through his entire life, every act that he did, but also some very significant things that we celebrate, right? Like Christmas, the death, and the resurrection. I want to focus on that last one just for a second this morning, the resurrection and what God speaks to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did you ever wonder this? Why did Jesus have to raise from the dead here? Like, why didn't he just go to heaven? Okay, so let's, let's lay this out for a second. In the Old Testament, these uh, people would come and they would make sacrifices and they would have a little animal, right? And they would metaphorically lay all of their sins on this animal and this animal would pay the price because the wages of sin is death. And so this animal would have to die. And that kept back the wrath of God from their lives for one full year, right? And none of those animals ever raised from the dead. None of those animals. So when the perfect sacrifice, when Jesus, the perfect lamb comes along, why does he have to raise from the dead? Like what's, what's the significance behind that? I want to point out four things that the resurrection speaks to us this morning. The first one, it tells us that he cares about us here on earth, that he cares about your life See, he could have just gone to heaven and, you know, like, like my pastor told me when I was seven, you know, hey, this is sure going to pay off when you die, right? But he actually cares about the individual things that are going on in your life, the things that affect you every day. The Bible says that we have a great high priest who's touched by our infirmities. He's touched by everything that we're touched by. And so when Pastor Matt was reading that scripture from Romans this morning, a couple of verses before that, it says, in Romans eight twenty eight, it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Do you love the Lord? Come on, do you love the Lord? Are you called according to his purpose? Then everything's got to work out for your good. He didn't say the good of the cosmos, right? The good of the, 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 the universe. He didn't even say the good of the kingdom, which you could very easily extrapolate that from this verse. He said for your good. And it's because of the resurrection. Number two, God shows that he still performs miracles. And I like the miracle of the resurrection. You know why? Because that's not just any kind of miracle. That's like the worst kind of miracle, right? Or the best, I guess I should say, the kind of miracle. Right? To raise somebody back from the dead, there's no hope after that. There's no chance after that. There's nothing left to hope for. You know, while they're sick or whatever, do you remember Lazarus when he was sick? I'm sure the people around him were praying and fasting and believing, and they just knew that any time Jesus was going to come into that situation and he was going to raise him up and he was going to be healed. But what does Lazarus do? He dies. And their hope is over. In fact, Martha comes out as Jesus is approaching the scene, and, and she, says, she says, Lord, you're too late. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He says, Martha, he'll live again. She says, I know, Lord, he'll live again in the resurrection. I know that. He says, no, 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 I'm the resurrection. Everything I, I touch has resurrection life to it. Everything, uh, resurrection life follows me. And so everywhere I go, there's going to be life that follows it. I was working uh, at a church as a business administrator. Uh, that's not a great counselor, by the way. If you, uh, if you need counseling, 
go to a, a counselor or a pastor or whatever, but I was a business administrator. And this guy comes into my office on a Monday morning one time, and he says, uh, he says, hey, I need some help. And I prayed with you yesterday, and you told me to come in if I ever needed to talk with you. And I promise I don't remember this. I don't remember praying with a guy. I don't remember anything about it. But I'm like, okay, you know, if you need to talk, sit down, let's talk. I'm balancing the, you know, the books or whatever. Uh, and he sits down and he says, he says, I got a situation. My wife entered into a relationship with our, pa- they went to another church. He said, my wife entered into a relationship with our pastor. And then somehow through a turn of events, and it was a long story, I entered into a relationship with my pastor's wife. He said, my marriage is absolutely destroyed. My children hate me. My wife is leaving this week. I have no hope. And the only thing I knew to do was to come here. Now, if you work in a church, right, you have kind of a toolbox of some scriptures that you can throw out, right? And everything's going to work together for good, right? Or I got nothing here, right? Zero. What do you even tell this guy? Well, God's going to give you peace. Hope for the best. And I was just honest with him. I said, look, I have zero answers for you. But what I do know is that we serve a God of resurrection, And after it is completely over and there is no hope whatsoever, there's still hope through Jesus Christ. And so me and this guy, we begin meeting together every Tuesday for about an hour, hour and a half. He would come in on his lunch break. And we would just pray together and we're just asking God to perform some kind of miracle resurrection. And this goes on for like a year and a half and finally his wife starts coming and and they start praying together and they start believing together. Now, I'm gonna tell you the truth. This is almost nine years ago and this couple today is working in ministry. Their kids are working in ministry. Their kids are uh, playing in the worship band and their kids, see, God can perform a miracle even when there's absolutely no hope of a miracle. So I would encourage you this morning, if there's anything in your life, any dream or any vision, that God has given you, that you held on to for a long time, maybe you just gave up on, he's the God of resurrection. The third point, God proved not only that we have forgiveness of sins, but that we have right standing with him. So see, those animals, they could provide forgiveness, right? They, they could hold back the wrath of God. But those animals had sin on them. And anything that has sin on it, the Bible is clear that the wages of sin is death. That thing deserves to die. But Jesus was the only one who could take the full wrath of God for every one of us and for every wrong thing that we've ever done and still stay standing. When he raised from the dead, it showed that not only we had forgiveness of sins, but we had right standing with the Father because Jesus is our banner And he has right standing with the Father. If you want to know what you look like to God, you look like Jesus. If his blood is applied to your life, then he looks at you just like he looks at his son. He will answer your prayers just like he answers his son's prayers. He will hear you just like he hears his son. Romans 4.25 said he was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. And then the final, the fourth point. It is a preview 
of what we're going to experience one day. Um, I'm going to do a quick little illustration. Would you come up here real quick? And would, would you come up also? Yeah, come up here. Oh, uh, uh, just stand right down here. Stand right down here. Sorry, I told you to come up. In clear, unclear communication. So there was a story in the Bible in the Old Testament about these two men and their names were Manasseh and Ephraim. And Manasseh was the older brother and Ephraim was the younger brother. And now if you know anything about Jewish history, okay, that would tell us this, that when the father or the patriarch of the family dies, all the really, really, really good stuff is going to Manasseh. It's going to the older brother, right? And the younger brother, like, he's going to do okay, and he's going to have some money, and he's going to be blessed and have some kids. So we'd go something like this. Ephraim, uh, you, your life's going to be great. You're going to have lots of kids. You're going to grow up. You're going to do well. You're going to have a good job, and things are going to be good for you. But Manasseh, everything is going to go amazingly for you. And people are going to come, and they're going to serve you, and, and they're going to give to you. And even when you think you can't con- contain anymore, they're going to come back and they're going to give more to you. And so Joseph is up there. And his father, Jacob, is going to pronounce a blessing over these kids. And he goes to put his hands out and he crosses his hands. And Joseph says, no, 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 no. Dad, you, you got the wrong hand on the wrong kid. And he says, no, I know exactly, I know exactly what I'm doing. And he switches them, and he pronounced the greater blessing over the younger. See, Hebrews calls Jesus our eldest brother, our firstborn brother. And what he's doing, in fact, Jacob had a similar situation where the, where, where, where the elder served the younger. What he's doing is he's showing a picture. Because when Jesus came, he deserved every bit of blessing and honor and favor and power and riches and wealth. And us, as the younger brothers and sisters, we deserve shame. We deserve anxiety. We deserve sickness and we deserve poverty. But he crosses those hands. And God gladly traded Jesus' place with us. And he said, all the favor and grace and blessing and honor that Manasseh deserved, that Jesus deserved, I gladly give to you. And all of the pain and the anxiety and the stress and the worries and the fear that you deserve, I gladly placed on Jesus back at the cross. Thank you. See, God's going God's to speak to us. And the enemy will try every way possible to get you to believe that, that you have no access to him. God doesn't hear you. If he does hear you, he, he really doesn't have time. He's got bigger things to deal with. And if he does have time, then well, maybe you've got sin in your life. Or maybe you've got something that would prevent you from 
approaching the throne. Maybe you don't feel right. Like Pastor Matt said, you know, when do I approach my wife and when do I, when do I ask for her forgiveness? You feel like even with God, you, Lord, I'm sorry, but there's this time frame, right? That you got to wait like these two or three days, maybe before God trusts me again, whatever that means. He said in Hebrews chapter 10 that those Old Testament priests came and made the same sacrifices day after day, which can never take away sins. But this one man came and offered one sacrifice for all sins forever. And then he sat down at the right hand of God. Do you know why he sat down? You know, God gave very, very clear instructions on how to build the temples. Down, down, to, the, down to the finest little detail. But you know what was missing from any temple? There was no chair because the priest's job was never done. He was continually making those same sacrifices, which just pushed back sin a little bit longer. They can never really provide right standing with God. But Jesus offered one sacrifice for all sin forever, and then he sits down. You know why? Because the work is finished. And today, if the blood of Jesus is applied to your life, then you have 100% full access to him. He says right after that verse, he says, so therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. He says, come boldly with with full faith, in full assurance of the faith, with absolutely nothing wavering. I don't know about you, but when I come to God sometimes, I have stuff wavering and I'm thinking about stuff I did in my mind and things that I thought and and maybe I can't approach him and maybe he's not going to answer my prayers. He says, come in full assurance of the faith with nothing wavering, dot, dot, dot. It says, because the one who promised is faithful. Now you may not have always been faithful. I know I haven't always been faithful, but the one who promised is 100% faithful. Every time you want to come before him, every time you want to come before the throne, every time you come into worship, you know, we come in sometimes and it takes us a few minutes, right, to get uh, the right song going or whatever, to, you know, to feel like, you know, we, we, we have a, a right to come into the presence of God. He said, I have given you full access, 100% unfettered access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to tell you something real quick. Something I felt that the Lord wanted me to share. I had a dream. I don't even know why I'm sharing this. I had a dream about Jesus. This was about six months ago. and I never had a dream about Jesus before. and I don't know why, and I don't know why I did now. But I had a dream, and we were back in that time, right? We were back in the, the biblical times, and everybody's wearing that kind of clothing. And, and I have a confession to make. I hear a lot of people, in fact, there's one person I'm thinking of in particular, she's passed on and gone to heaven now, and I remember her just telling me all the time, I can't wait, I'm longing to see Jesus, I want to dance with him on the streets, and and, and I'll just be honest, I never had those types of thoughts, right? I want to see Jesus, and, and when I die, I want to go there, but right, my life is good, and, and, and I'm okay, I just, it just never came out of my heart. But I have this dream and Jesus is in this dream and and there's this kind of fence row, right? And he's walking down this fence row. And I'm telling you, if when we see Jesus, if it is anything like it felt in this dream, it is gonna be the craziest, most amazing day. Because I look at him, he's walking and he looks over at me and he's got this, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's not a smile, but it's, 
It's just this look on his face like, I know everything you've ever done. I know every thought, good and bad, that you've ever had. And I still accept you and I still approve of you. That's what this look said to me. Right, and and in this dream, I am beside myself. I cannot believe, like, this is Jesus, right? And he goes and he sits down on this bench. And there's this huge crowd around him. I mean, lots and lots of people. And the only thing I'm thinking is, I have to touch him. I have to touch him. And so I'm walking, I'm trying to make my way through the crowd, and I can't, I can't get through, right? And so I get down on my hands and knees in this dream, and I'm going like around people's legs. I'm going through their legs in the crowd. And finally I get, I get right up to him somehow. And the only part of his body that nobody's touching is kind of like right here, like, like on the tops of his feet. And I lay my face on his feet and I'm just weeping. I knew in that moment that everything I'd ever done, it was all okay. It was all okay because of Jesus. Isn't that what we want to know? Right? That we're okay? You remember the disciples when they were in that boat and the water's coming in and the waves are crashing up against the boat? And they're about to go under, and I love the real and raw words that they use. Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat, and they wake him up, and they said, Jesus, do you not care that we perish? Do you not see what's going on here? Do you not see the situation with my family? Do you not see our finances? Do you not see everything around us that looks like it's turned over on his head and I have no control over anything? And Jesus is just relaxed, right? He's super cool. And he's not cool because he's not concerned. He's cool because the work's been finished. He's cool because he's already taken care of it. He knows the beginning from the end. He started you out in this race and he's gonna finish you. He says he's not only the author, but he's the perfecter of your faith. He knows everything you've ever been through. He knows everything you're ever gonna go through and he has got you guided. And I asked him, Lord, what do you want me to speak? What do you want me to say to this wonderful congregation? And he told me three things. said, number one, I know where they are. I want you to tell them that I know where they are. Number two, you're okay. I don't know what you're going through this morning or who needs to hear that. You're okay. He's got you. Number three, You are accepted. You are accepted all the time before his throne. Esther came before that king. There were rules and there were rituals and there were protocols for her to be able to come into the presence of the king. She could have lost her life, but he extends that scepter. 
And it's a picture of us today coming in before the King of Kings. And he extends that scepter to you and he says, you are always, always welcome in my presence. Would you just lift up your hands? Come on, I want you to repeat that with me. Lord, I thank you that you know where I am. Come on, say it with me. Lord, I thank you that you know where I am. Lord, I thank you that I'm okay. I thank you that you've got everything under control. I thank you that you know my beginning and my end. Lord, I thank you that I'm accepted. I thank you that I can come into your presence anytime and I don't have to worry, but I am 100% accepted before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, let's worship him for just a minute. this morning if you don't know this great savior that we've been talking about I promise you it is the very very best thing you're ever going to do there are going to be people up here after the service and you're able to come up and pray with them and talk to them about anything that you need we're going to pray a blessing over you today we're going to go on our way and here's what's going to happen it feels good in here right now right his presence is here. But tomorrow morning, you're going to get on your work. You're going to go into work, right? And there's that annoying guy in the office that's going to come up to you immediately. Right? You're going to get frustrated. Or you're going to have some, you're going to do something, right? You, you're going to blow it. What I want you to remember throughout this week is that you have acceptance before his throne. doesn't matter what you think you are. It matters what his son says you are. So this week, as you go into your work week, you're meeting with your family, you're going through the things that, you know, may, may, may be difficult, you're dealing with financial situations, you're dealing with health situations, come into his throne. Come boldly before the throne, because you have access, amen? Let's lift up our hands one more time. Father, we thank you that you've heard us this morning. We thank you that your presence is here, Lord. God, we pronounce, Lord, over your people the blessing of Jacob, Lord, all of the favor and grace and riches and wealth and blessings that Jesus Christ deserved, Lord, we gladly receive on ourselves, Father, and we thank you for it. And Lord, all of the condemnation and guilt and shame and pain and confusion and anxiety that we deserve, Lord, we gladly cast on his back, Lord. There may have been a strong man over us. There may have been a strong man that had control of us, but one stronger than the strong man is here. And we thank you that he has power in the name of Jesus. Lord, we gladly cast that, those burdens on his back. We gladly give those things to you, Jesus, because we know you're big enough to bear it, Lord. 
Your shoulders are strong enough to bear everything that we can't bear. So, Father, we bless your people this morning. Lord, we pray for an amazing week. We pray for mighty exploits, Lord. We pray that they're more than conquerors this week. Lord, that they go forth and they tell somebody about you, Lord. That they pray with somebody on their job site, Lord. That they minister to a family member, God. That you set people free through them, Lord. Because you've anointed them and you've called them. God, we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen and amen. Be blessed, church. Thanks for listening to Elevate Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for service on Sundays or at a dinner party on Friday nights. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, or website at elevate.city for more information.